0: the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptistextra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Psalm 103 verse 4b says in the King James Version, Who crowneth you with loving kindness and tender mercies. God's offer is not just kindness. It's loving kindness. It's not just mercy, but tender mercies. And when was the last time someone showed you loving kindness and tender mercy? This should be the norm. It should be happening, shouldn't it? But in recent times, we've been asking, Lord, give us grace body lay at the edge of the road, blood had seeped out onto the leather jacket, from cuts and bruises around the head and matted the long black hair, parted enough to see half a patch. Glass from broken bottles glistened in the headlights. A local councillor, late for a meeting, slowed, dipped his lights before speeding on to the meeting he was meant to chair. A few minutes later, an elder from another town spots the figure writhing about on the ground, looks at his watch, considers the sheepskin car seat cover beside him and decides to speed on. His discussion group he was due at was about to start. Finally, an early 70s Land Rover wheezes its way over the crest in the road, the driver spots the dark outline of the abandoned figure stretched out before him, and he starts pumping the brakes. He pumps the brakes a bit more, and they, they start to run out of fluid. So he pumps more. Finally, they, they grip and screech to a halt. He turns the wheels towards the water table because the handbrakes run out of adjustment. With a stroke of his hand, he realigns the the beer crate that doubles as the passenger seat and he throws a swanee over it for extra padding. He jumps out and moves quickly to the back to haul out a rubbish bag and throws a, chucks a uh, torch into the hole where the tail light should be. He grabs a roll of gaffer tape to slow the bleeding. He leans over the stranger and says, I got you, bro. Hang in there, brother. We go into my pad, cuz, because that way my missus can stitch you back together. With one final burst of adrenaline, he manages to swing him into the misfiring rover, and after a massive graunching of the gear and clutch, he finds a manageable gear to overcome inertia as he peers into the half-light, half-lit road. Which man showed loving kindness and tender mercy? Today we are continuing in the book of Ruth. Last week we set the scene where two lonely widows stood on a roadside, hugging but kind of arguing about going on together. The younger one wanted to go on. The older believed it was simply too much to ask anyone to consider hanging out with a bitter old mother-in-law. The turning point was when Ruth, a determined and passionate foreigner, stood her ground, clung to her and said, Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God, and where you go, I will go. So last week, we looked at Ruth's passion and hunger for God, and in that moment, she was an example to us as church to be decisive and more passionate for God at such a time as this. And as they enter Naomi's hometown of Bethlehem in Israel, the reality they made it, (laughs) the reality of survival hits them both. They're hungry. But thanks to a mosaic law that provided that the poor people could glean grain, Ruth manages to scrape a meal together for them to share most days. And the law was that whatever grain heads were dropped or missed by the paid workers would be Free pickings for those who were prepared to search around the edges for it. Trouble was, single women had few rights and were often targets of verbal and physical abuse as they sought to find this food in amongst all the paid workers. But Ruth just happens to come across a relative of Naomi and into into their field. So here we have enter the scene, uh, key person number three. From the text, we can quickly gain a picture of a man, this third character, who is truly genuine, he's respected, and he's kind. His name's Boaz, who turns out, to be a close relative of Naomi. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to, to, to Ruth 2. Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to read down to 13. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant in charge of the reaper's answered and said, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and had remained from the morning until now. And she's been sitting in the house for a little while. She had a lunch break. (laughs) Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, listen carefully, my daughter. Don't go and glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. In other words, keep up. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you're thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why? Have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work. And your wages be full from the Lord, the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I've found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservants, though I am not like one of your maidservants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. So from what we've read, aren't you just getting this picture of this this guy who's respected by the workers? The workers love him and he loves them. In verse four he's respected. Next thing we notice is that he he notices and values hard work. And he and he and he notices loyalty. He's impressed with her loyalty to Naomi in verse 8. And Boaz is protective. He's he's thoughtful and he's kind. We get that coming through loud and clear. But I really want to bring this attention to your attention the fact that he's actually unassuming. You see, his kindness was given, expecting nothing in return. He calls her Ruth, and she calls him Lord. Clearly, there's a considerable age gap. And he has no doubt that she would prefer to marry a a husband her own age. He's kind out of his heart. So just as Ruth's passion came through uh, last week to serve Naomi, I believe that Boaz's kindness is this is this quality that we want to focus on this week. His, his kindness just shines through everything about this passage and this whole book. By allowing Ruth, I, I sort of get this feeling, by allowing Ruth to stay close to his own reapers and by supplementing her like your daily uh, home supply, Boaz is blessing her without reducing the dignity of manual work and self-sufficiency. He blesses her without reducing the dignity and blessing of manual work. All the while, he was noting her attitude and he was just gaining this respect for her. And Ruth 2.23 2, has the words, this is at the end of this chapter, he has the words, until the end of harvest. You see, Ruth completed the season. She stuck it out, she kept going to the end. There's a discipline in completing stuff. We said last week that this story, unlike the book of Judges, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Wrapping up in this dramatic, you know, conclusion that fulfilled God's purposes, and I believe that it worked out for good because each of the three main characters all displayed Christ-like fruit. You know, we saw in the book of Judges that they failed God, slipped away, had to have a a, a judge to get them back on track. But here we see these three characters really displaying that fruit, just naturally coming out of their relationship with God. The fruit was patience, peace, diligence, loyalty, hard work, and most of all, loving kindness. We see in each of them. We're back to uh, Naomi. Despite her feeling empty and lost and bitter in chapter 1, she plays a key role in a love story in chapter 3 by knowing the local protocol. See, it's, it's the end of harvest. She tells Ruth to secretly wait down at the threshing floor, the grain shed, whatever, to get the timing right. She says, wait until Boaz is asleep and then uncover his feet and lie there. Sounds pretty weird to us, but uh, sometime in the night, Boaz gets cold feet, I mean frosty feet, (laughs) and he wakes up. This was the custom where women could let a man know they were available while keeping their dignity if he refused. Seems to work pretty well, because Boaz was, uh, was, was genuinely... Shocked and amazed that she would choose him. So Boaz responds by covering not only his feet, but her as well, with his mantle, or that's the word for coat, with his coat, with his outer garment, whatever. You see, Boaz is not only kind, he is a man of integrity. He has principles, and he knows that there is an older brother who has the first right to redeem her due to this second Levitical law called the law of, of Jubilee. See, every 50 years, purchased land was to be given back to heirs of the original owner. And you, you see, if since, since Ruth was a widow, uh, let's just say it was complicated. <laughs> And Boaz's older relative didn't want the hassle. With those first rights forsaken, Boaz is then free to make a deal publicly. They did it by having the elders gather around and they took off their sandals and you know, by publicly declaring that that was a deal. It's like our shaking of the hand. He bought the land and Ruth with it thereby foregoing his own inheritance. See, God honors his kindness, Boaz's kindness, based on this integrity to do things right. To not, you know, headhunt anyone or to, you know, just to, to steal something that wasn't his, to rush in, grab what he could. He did it right. They marry. They have a son whose grandson David becomes king of Israel. Ruth's life is forever remembered because she passionately clung to Naomi and to Naomi's God. What's the legacy you're hoping to leave? She began the line of David. God's promise to David To always have a descendant on the throne of Israel is kept. Centuries later, many centuries later, a young descendant of David and Boaz takes his wife, who's about to give birth to a miracle baby, to their ancestors' home of Bethlehem. And we know the story. Mary was pregnant with promise before she was pregnant with Jesus. She hoped in God. 33 years later, as Jesus, Mary's son, enters Jerusalem, the crowds hail him. Hey, hey, Hosanna. And that's the day we celebrate today, Palm Sunday. But a week later, just one week later, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. That's the power of the crowd. We may never ever, we may not have ever yelled that out. We might not have been with that crowd, perhaps that day. But every time we act or react out of pride and self-sufficiency, we are really saying, Jesus, we we don't need you we don't need your loving kindness or your tender mercies when we are right in our own eyes and blind to god's purposes for us we become the boss and we're on the throne of our life and when we when our worship is half-hearted and it's cost us nothing have we forgotten the greatest treasure Of all time, the Son of Man dying in our place. See, to many, kindness sounds weak. But Jesus, he was angry when it mattered. He was firm and straight shooting and had authority when it was needed. But he was never unkind. See, kindness has legs. Loving kindness costs us. Loving kindness took Jesus to the cross. Loving kindness meant telling the truth to hard-hearted people before they put Jeremiah down a well. Loving kindness cost Jonathan his life as he fought alongside his deranged father Saul in a battle he started after consulting a medium. Loving kindness made our, our Land Rover man pull over when others drove on by what will loving kindness cost you and me this week? The final part of this beautiful love story is that a descendant of Boaz replaces our filthy rags that we call self righteousness with a robe with his robe at Calvary. The blood of Jesus cancels out all confessed sin. And his robe covers us. What a beautiful picture. We are covered by his wings and the blood of Jesus when we bow the knee at the cross. Amen. God, we're overwhelmed and almost brought to tears at some of the things being done in this world right now. But Lord, you died for sin. You died for mankind's sin, for those who would turn and accept your your gift of salvation. God, we want to be named among those who have received that gift. We want to be covered by the blood of Jesus we want to see that robe of righteousness wrapped around us. We exchange what we've got, which has really looked like filthy rags, but you give us this beautiful robe and call us righteous. We can't believe it, but we do trust your word. And that's what it says. And we thank you, and we want to say we love you. And adore you for that. We want to cling to you, Lord, and and get desperate and get hungry and get closer to you than a brother, than our shadow. So, Lord, as we think on these things, we just don't want to be among the wrong crowd. We don't want to be in the wrong place, serving the wrong purpose. We want to be in the heart of your will, Lord. And we want to go forward this week showing loving kindness built on integrity, built on trust in you, built on obedience to the to the Jesus of the cross. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at nz. Or visit us at HuntleyBaptist.com.